Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Welcome on back. Happy Thursday. Happy NFL Thursday to everybody listening. Gordon, I want to I want to get into your column a little bit. We talked about the NCAA stuff with uh, with BYU yesterday, and I, I'm curious as to some of the reaction you're getting. But can we can we hit an NFL story sure. real quick? The NFL opening tonight, and yes. this is this is such a model of stupidity that I, I just feel that we need to ridicule uh, Antonio Brown for a moment. Of course, he's in the in the news today. He is. So he has had an interesting training camp where he hasn't participated a whole lot. <laughs> He's got certain complaints. And uh, he was fined, which is, is not a surprise, right? Uh, talk to mm-hmm. Hans about this. They, mm-hmm. They'll find you for anything in the NFL, you know, being late, uh, not being in total uniform, those sorts of things. And it, it, contractually, if you don't show up uh, to certain things you're required to, you're going to get fined. Well, Mike Mayock fined Antonio Brown $54,000. And what was the significance of that? His shenanigans. Hold on. Antonio Brown then turned around, took a picture of the letter that was issued to him with the issuing the fine, and put it on Instagram for everybody to see. (laughs) A little protest. Uh That, of course, led to a confrontation with Mike Mayock, the general manager of the Raiders, on the uh, on the practice field, where, amongst other things, apparently Antonio Brown was so upset he punted a football into the stands or something. Mm-hmm. So, the Raiders now uh, are uh, have suspended him, and they're looking into his contract basically to see if they can void it mm-hmm. and uh, and cut him without having to pay the thirty million dollars guaranteed in the brand new deal that he's signed with the Raiders. Now, we're not at the stupidest part of this whole thing yet. <laughs> okay, we'll look forward to that. Okay, so, so this is the, the stupidest part now. The, he, he was supposed to have, or he has in his contract, a $1 million signing bonus. Ooh. Okay? Uh-huh. So just a million bucks for putting his ink, ink to uh, paper, hmm. the ink to paper. He divided the payments for that signing bonus into two payments, 500000 this year and $500,000 next year. Now that's just supposed to be five hundred grand, just putting it into his pocket, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there was, um, uh, I guess, a qualification on that signing bonus that he was going to have to make eighty-five percent of the off-season program to get the half a million dollars for this year. He came nowhere close to that eighty-five percent. Meaning, the Raiders, if they do cut him and they do fire him with cause, they will have not paid him a single cent. Wow. For his time in Oakland. Not a penny. Not a penny. Now, I ask you, and I I realize this guy has a lot of money, and he's been in the NFL for a while, and he's not, you know, suffering for his next meal. (laughs) Okay. But for half a million dollars? Half a million bucks? And all you have to do is show up for 85% of what you're required to do? How dumb is this guy? Push all that other stuff aside. This is a half a million dollars just for showing up. But you almost get the feeling that he is being ill and contrary just because he wants to. See, now. But what's his motivation? I think it's stupidity. I think he's dumb. Huh. 
Well, I guess that's as good an explanation as any because it hasn't been making sense to me. He's been going out of his way to – I mean, the whole helmet thing was an absolute joke, wasn't it? It, I I, I don't understand. If it's not one thing, it's another. And so I I wonder if he's just looking for a fight. But why would he do that? I don't know. I mean, uh, Gordon, you're you're a little more well off than Austin and myself. I, but I'm still guessing you would do a lot for a half a million dollars. Well, I I would do my job. Yeah. Even if it came with some things that you weren't too wild about, you'd still probably well, yeah, do it's it. It's not going to stop you from complaining. You can go ahead and complain. But yeah, knock ahead. yourself right out. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, all you have to do is show up for 85% I, of what you're required to for half a million bucks, and you don't do that? I don't understand. I don't understand what his problem is, why why he is. You know, and maybe he does have legitimate things, that, uh, but I, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't been able to really get to the bottom of it. Mm. Has someone mistreated him? Has someone done something that would cause him to feel this way? What is it? Don't you want to be a pro's pro? Isn't that your goal? Especially when you got the talent he has? It's crazy. You know what's interesting about it? And, and you can apply this lesson, I suppose, in real life. Like, if somebody's really talented, you'll put up with a lot. Yeah. And I think that's in, in any field. In fact, I was talking to, who was I talking to about this? Oh, I was talking to uh, Andrea from the Dish Pros about this uh, the other day. If somebody's really talented, you'll you'll jump through some hoops because it it benefits you in business. You know, if you have a really talented salesperson, but they're super high maintenance, mm-hmm. but they're bringing in the big bucks, mm-hmm. you're gonna you're gonna go through some maintenance. You're gonna do it. But if, I, I had a friend uh, just, just yeah, yeah. To, to illustrate this point. He was national sales director of a of a, a fairly sizable company. And he had a salesperson on his staff, and he told me she could get me fired anytime she wanted. Why? Exactly. Because she was the top salesman in the entire company. Yep, because there's a lot of value. But isn't it interesting when we see the patients uh, wear out on the value? And where exactly that bar is that that bar? Because Antonio Brown is really good he is i mean top well what do you want to say you know five receiver in the the nfl Mm -hmm. i mean he is really good so how does it help the rate think about that the raiders have invested and counted at all or at least they thought they were going to utilize him and now all of a sudden if they if they were to get out of the contract or found a way out well they're down one of the best receivers in the game right how big of a pain in the backside do you have to be how bad Uh, is your behavior if you're not, if you, I mean, they gave him $30 million guaranteed knowing that he was high maintenance. Yeah. Going into it with, with their eyes wide open, like, this is going to be a guy we're going to have to put up with some stuff. And he's likely not going to play a single game for the Oakland Raiders. That's How right. wild is that? Yeah. It's just crazy. And somebody else will pick him up. I was going to say along those lines, how happy do you think the Bills are now that he refused to go there? Right. That's a, that's a, that's a good point. But he won't get nearly $30 million guaranteed after this. I mean, a team will pick him up because they'll get a top five NFL receiver on the cheap, but nobody is going to make that kind of investment in him after this type of behavior. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just being smart and knowing where that line is that you're talking about. Because there are a lot of guys out there – who are high maintenance, 
and they know that they are worth it. But at some point, you cross the line, and where is that point? You better know where it is. You know what's interesting is when you see high-maintenance players and their skills deteriorate? Like, think about uh, Dwight Howard. Yeah. Where all of a sudden he's not the player that he used to be, and so he's on a new team every six months because teams are, are going, well, pff, we're not putting up with this. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm not crazy. I'm not putting up with this for that kind of production. No, well, thank which you. Which was the NBA player? Was it Carmelo who said, I'm, I'm a starter and not a, I'm not yeah. coming off the bench? Uh, I said that while he was with Oklahoma yeah. City. Yeah. Yeah. And now he'd probably just take a job anywhere, wouldn't he? Yeah, but would he adjust his attitude? Now that that's the big question with with Carmelo, because he his agent was saying the other day that Houston and Oklahoma City just used him as a scapegoat, hmm. and that's the that's the wrong uh, that's the wrong for a contract. Yeah, somewhere? that's the wrong attitude to take because because that's saying I am right because mm-hmm. I am so good. They are wrong. Whereas his attitude should be. Exactly what you just said. I'll, I'll play whatever role you want me to. I just I want to be in the NBA again. Have you ever known anyone who uh, may have taken a lot of uh, grief through the years uh, or had a lot of complaints and always blamed everyone else? Oh, yeah. I've encountered and, and so, so every, more than a few Everyone of else is always wrong, and that person is always right. Right. <laughs> that, Does it ever dawn on them that everybody else isn't wrong, right. and maybe you're the one who's wrong? Yep. I don't under. I think this is an enormous waste of talent. I th- this bothers me from that standpoint because this guy is so freaking good, and could help so many different teams. Just go out and be a pro. Go out and do your job, and yeah, you're going to absorb some things that aren't necessarily to your liking. But be a pro's pro, man. That's what you're capable of. You're capable of changing the fate of a team. So don't go into a new team and just cause all these problems and 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 then uh, behave your way right out the door. You know who jumps into my mind? Uh, former Jazz player. When we're having this discussion, Trey Burke. Remember after it didn't work out with the Jazz, all the blaming that he did about didn't get the right opportunity and this and this and that. And then, what, about a year ago, he made some statements where it almost sounded contrite. But what he, he said, wow, if I had to do it over again back in Utah, I'd do it differently. And his point was that he wouldn't listen to the coach. That's what he said. He said, I wouldn't have listened to the coach. I would have just gone out and played my game. And it's like, it's like wait a minute. No, I don't think, I don't think you're getting it. Well, I do think there are cases where a player does protest and gets himself in a doghouse when he may have some strong points. It's not always a situation where management's always right. No, no, I agree. But it was everybody else's fault with Trey. I mean, all the interviews that he gave after he left the Jazz and his his parents, the message that they were putting out on social media was always somebody else's fault. Okay. And I guess that's where what came to my mind. Not necessarily the management is always right, but that it was always somebody else's fault. And even when he was uh, almost acting like he was going to take some responsibility, he ended up still putting it on somebody else. Well, I think relationships are really important. And if there's a, if you have a very, very talented employee in any walk of life, communicate with that individual and try to, to, to build bridges and try to make it work. But if... If one side or the other doesn't want to mend that bridge or build that bridge, then you've got a problem, man. It's just I, – I, I don't know how you get that fixed unless you get both people rowing in the same direction. 
And it seems like he's been out of sync in that regard forever. And it's cost him a ton of money. He's even getting scolded by his old teammates in Pittsburgh. He's getting scolded by O.J. Simpson, which seems really weird. Did you see that no, video today? I, I didn't see it. Oh. Yeah, O.J. just told him to cash his big-ass checks and play, hmm. which, strangely enough, is probably pretty good <laughs> advice coming from good old Juice. Uh, well, all right. I, I, it's, it's a sad story. I mean, it's not a tragic story. It's just kind of stupid. It is stupid. It, it, it really is. So anyway, NFL kicks off tonight. Uh, you can catch the Bears and the Packers right here on the Zone Radio Network. And you course, ready? We've got NFL coverage uh, going uh, all year long. Uh, ready for the NFL? Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready for some football. I'm excited for this year's uh, NFL season. I, I think it's going to be really fun. I can't stand the Chiefs, but I'm excited to see what Andy Reid can do with that team, Patrick Mahomes. I wonder if the Rams can get back to to doing what uh, what they're capable of doing. You have? Are you going to write your Super Bowl pick column I, this year? I, I don't know. I you going to pick the Texans again? I did that once. Didn't you pick the Colts like ten years in a row? Not ten. Maybe I'm going to kill Matt Schaub. <laughs> I'm going to kill him. Maybe three years. I remember in a row. you kept picking Peyton Manning and the Colts yeah, over and over and over again. Let I me did. guess. The Patriots. Uh, I, I've picked the Patriots a number of times. I 100% guarantee Gordon's picking the Patriots this year. Didn't I pick them last year? Hmm. <laughs> yes, I'm sure you did. And, and I'll predict Duke will win no, the March no, no, Madness. No, no, yeah, he's going to have on all number one seeds. He's winning the World no, Series. You guys can't have it both ways. It can't make fun of me for picking the Texans and then make fun of me for picking the Patriots. Except for the Texans were the chic picks that year. <laughs> Except for the Texans. Not weren't, really. They weren't this year you're, you're going Pats over Chiefs, aren't you? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I might be tempted. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't really thought Except of that. they're both in the Yeah, AFC. I was going to say they're both in yeah. the AFC. That would, I was thinking to myself, like, wait a minute, that wouldn't work, would it? But that would be a great Super Bowl. <laughs> that would be a great Super Bowl. Uh, I'll have to think about that. Because my dog, I don't have my dog anymore, so my dog can't make the pick for me. Because my dog made the pick for me when I picked the Packers, and that's when they went on the road to win all those playoff games straight into the Super Bowl and won that too. May Caillou rest in peace. Jeez, you come have an up-tempo record. <laughs> Seriously. Everybody's having a few laughs, and Gordon has to talk about his dog dying. Little dog named Snuggles. <laughs> no, my dog wasn't named Snuggles. Having a great Anything time. But. Little NFL banter. You know, some laughs. Everybody's excited, and there goes Gordon bringing up his dog dying. Get uh, Dawn on the phone. <laughs> about those pictures. <laughs> now we got to hear it. No, I gotta hear it. Oh, uh, Casey, Casey Kasem, one of the greatest what happened rants to the of all pictures time. I was supposed to see this week. Well, you can't walk in in the middle of it. That's, <laughs> That's pretty thing. funny. I love that part of it, though. I know it is funny. <laughs> Casey, now I... we're up to our long distance dedication, and this one is about kids and pets and a situation that we can all understand. Listen, whether we have kids or pets or neither, it's from a man in Cincinnati, Ohio, and here's what he writes. <laughs> Dear Casey, this may seem to be a strange dedication request, but I'm quite sincere, and it'll need a lot if you play it. Recently, there was a death in our family. He was a little dog named Snuggles, but he was most certainly a part of... Let's go start again. From coming out of the great record. at picking football play games. The record, okay? Please. <clears throat> See, when you come out of those up-tempo... 
numbers, man. It's impossible to make those transitions. And then you got to go into somebody dying. You know, they do this to me all the time. I don't know what they do it for, but we can't come out of a slow record. I don't understand it. Is Don on the phone? Okay. I want a concerted effort to come out of a record that isn't a up tempo record every time I do a GIF dedication. <laughs> now, make it. And I also want to know what happened to the pictures I was supposed to see this week. This last time, I want somebody who uses brain to not come out of a record that is, uh, that, that's up tempo, and I got to talk about a dog dying. I'm going to kill Matt Shaw. <laughs> I'm going to kill him. Okay, is, dog I mean, dying. Something triggered my good friend Casey, and, and he just, it just built. Whoever Don was was the only guy standing between he and viral history. <laughs> Poor Don. If Don had been there, we wouldn't have got there. Hey, Don on the phone. This this just gets back to our, our previous conversation when you were as talented as Casey Kasem. You're afforded a meltdown or two, and Don, you know what? Don's going to hop too and get those pictures where they need to be. At what point do you reach a stage where you can talk like that to people and get away with it? Well, I think out of the three of us, you're the most qualified to answer that question. <laughs> Somehow that was uh, really sort of a nasty compliment for you to pay. It was kind of a nasty compliment, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, that's funny. I remember, have I told you about that story when I got a fan letter from Casey Casey? I have heard that? that story before, yeah. Austin, yeah. have I told you that? Yes. Neither one of us believe you, but yeah. I have the letter somewhere in my files at home. I swear to you. In my files. I absolutely swear to you that Casey Kasem wrote me a letter. We've heard this story a hundred times. It's true. Let's move on. I swear to you. If we say uh, we believe you, Gordon, can we just move on? (laughs) I can't say it. You can't bring yourself to it? You You honestly don't believe me. I got a letter from Casey Kasem. You know, really, you don't believe me? I absolutely do. <laughs> now can we move on? That's what I'm open for. <laughs> All right, coming up next, uh, Gordon, we'll, we will get to some college football here in the 5 o'clock hour, but uh, you've been uh, kind of uh, passing along some of the reaction you're getting to your BYU column, and I'm a little surprised that, that people are reacting in the way that they are. So like, this, like this one from Scotty1234. Wow, Gordon, telling the truth is wrong. You just dropped a few pegs, my friend. Well, that hurts. We'll get to that coming up next. Stay tuned. want to remind you, don't take the bus toward the airport parking lot. Diamond Airport Parking offers covered self-parking, covered valet parking, open valet parking, and free 24-7 car-to-curb shuttle service. Diamond Airport Parking since 1922 off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park, ride, and save Diamond Airport Parking. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We want to remind you, our boy Austin, Austin and Tony, they're going to be hanging out tomorrow 
at the Salt Palace Convention Center for the Fan X Salt Lake Comic Convention. They'll be there from 10 to noon. Get 15% off your tickets when you buy now at fanxsaltlake.com using promo code MILLER15. Austin, who's uh, I, I heard uh, Adrian Spot rattling off the celebrities are going to be down there. Who do you most want to meet tomorrow? Oh, the InSync fellas. Chris Kirkpatrick and Joey Fatone. It's not even close. Isn't Fatone the old one? Fatone's the yeah, he is the older one. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't there? Weren't they all? He's the funny one, right? Weren't they all though in their like early twenties? But then Fatone was like thirty-five or something. <laughs> he was the one that could rent a car. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's it was kind of like the the uh, the nine zero two one zero cast, the original nine zero two one zero cast, where they were all kind of not high school age, but early twenties, and then one of them, the the gal who played Andrea, was like thirty-eight or something like that. Hmm. Believe it or not, a little before my time, 90210. I love 90210. Uh, All right, Gordon, let's talk a little bit about your column. We talked about this a lot yesterday, the the punishment handed down by the NCAA to the BYU basketball program. And you wrote a column that uh, went online, what, last night and was in the paper this Uh, morning? No, no, it'll be in the paper tomorrow. In the paper tomorrow. And uh, in the breaks, we've been talking about a little bit some of the, the... the feedback you've been getting first start off give us a little what the the premise of the column was just so we can have a refresher and then uh, i want to hear a a little bit about the feedback yeah you can go to sltrib.com and check it out if uh, you want to read it and agree with it or disagree with it but the the main thrust of it is it's not so much about byu as it is about the ncaa and the sort of the condition conditions they have created where it's better for a school to lie or to conceal what's happened as opposed to those schools cooperating and trying to really find out the truth. And uh, you can make all kinds of comparisons, all the programs out there who have cheated and have hidden what's going on as opposed to BYU coming clean with the Nick Emery thing and uh, all the aspects of that. And now its uh, appeal was denied, and it's you know the vacation of the 47 wins and all that stuff. If BYU had done, say, what North Carolina did with its academics scandal and covered it up and and essentially put up a wall around it, then uh, maybe BYU wouldn't have been uh, punished. And the NCAA is one of those deals where. They don't have the manpower to really find out the truth around the country of who's cheating and who isn't. And so when there's an outfit out there who comes forward and says, yeah, this happened and it was a mistake. And you heard the quote from Tom Homo where he said, when we become aware of something, then we call the NCAA and try to help and self-report and do the whole thing. Well, in this case, they got uh, they got hammered for it. And that's they at least didn't get leniency right put it that way i mean maybe you can argue that the punishment fit the crime or whatever but you can't really argue that they got a more lenient sentence because they self-reported and so the thrust of the column is essentially that byu would have been better off lying and some people are taking this pretty seriously as though they're lying to god himself and uh, i'm talking about a power that uh, is self-important the ncaa not heavens not the high heavens, but uh, so I'm. <laughs> but I'm getting some preachments from uh, from folks who are using pretty churchy terminology to uh, dispute what I said. 
but I'm talking about in the context of the way the NCAA goes about its business. And I think BYU was really upset with uh, the treatment it got from the NCAA. That much is evident in the statement that was issued. Uh, they feel like it's precedent-setting and it's out of line with what has been done in the past. And uh, and I kind of agree with that. Now, I'm not excusing BYU or Nick Emery for what took place. Obviously, there were mistakes made, there were benefits gained, and uh, something should have happened. But I thought, relative to what happens to other programs around the country or doesn't happen to them, BYU was dealt with uh, with a clenched fist. I, I what I really took from your column and a lot of what we talked about yesterday is the is really the message that it sends and I, I think you're right on the money and you're not saying that BYU should be dishonest in their daily practices you're just saying that it, they would have been better off <laughs> dealing with the NCAA had they not been right you're, you're not really giving BYU advice one way or another you're just no and I'm about, not literally saying be dishonest right that's, uh, that's taking it far too literally and and BYU you know is is going to adhere to their standards and and Tom Homo talked about that how when they find out about this stuff they alert the NCAA immediately and I, I don't I didn't get the impression that you were being critical of that action more just saying that that didn't benefit them when it really should and that's the dangerous precedent because you're you're telling the rest of the the universities involved that don't do it right, don't do it the right way. We we want you to do it the right, right way, but mm-hmm. we're going to give you no incentive to do it the right uh-huh. way. Yeah. And so you know, if, in fact, we're giving you incentive not to do it the and right way. Other universities out there maybe not uh, don't have the moral compass of Brigham Young University, and this is going to encourage them even more to not do it the right way. And and you hit on this, and and I think it's a great point, and uh, I want to reiterate it that. Um, that uh, there isn't the they don't have the manpower to really police college sports. They don't. Mm-hmm. If you've paid attention to the NCAA over the past ten years or so, they've had a mass exodus of personnel, and their enforcement uh, de- basically department is a shell of what it used to be. And there's a reason why the the scandals uh, in college sports are unearthed by the media or the FBI and not the NCAA because they don't really want to, one, and two, they don't really have the ability to do that. So they really rely on schools self-reporting. And if you do self-report, then you're going to take a punch to the onions. Which is the absolute wrong method. The, the NCAA is dumb. They, I'm not saying they should have let BYU off, but there's nothing wrong with BYU self-imposed a bunch of stuff, which mm-hmm. was perfectly adequate, by the way. They self-imposed a, a scholarship penalty on themselves. Let it go. Say, thanks for reporting. And you know what? Good for you for for, uh, disciplining your own program. Keep up the good work. Have a nice day. You don't need to throw the book at a program that is trying to write itself. Unless unless the the violations were so egregious and you say, okay, we're going to self-report and your own discipline is is not adequate. Uh But in this case, and maybe this is the subjective part of it, for what Nick Emery did, to to punish yourself by finding yourself five grand and and punishing yourself by taking away a scholarship. I mean, come on, that's that's perfectly adequate, and it was not necessary to throw the book at BYU. And like you said, and this is the point, you send the wrong message to everybody else by doing that. Right. It's like uh, okay, so BYU does the 
the honorable after the the fact BYU does the honorable thing and then is found to be dishonorable on account of that. And that's the most relevant comparison to North Carolina because everybody was getting bent out of shape like North Carolina got nothing and BYU got something. Well, they were completely different circumstances. But where it's relevant, the comparison is, is that North Carolina denied, 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 and BYU came clean and North Carolina got off scot-free and BYU got a more severe consequence than they deserved. That's where the comparison is relevant. Right. It's and not that that's, the, and that's the point of what the column was. It wasn't that hey, all y'all out there be a bunch of thieving, dishonorable people. <laughs> they said if you if you're honest, you should. I'm not saying be rewarded for it. I guess, but you, you should be handled differently. I agree. Than somebody who fights the system the whole way. And by the way, I mentioned this yesterday. We see it in our justice system all the time. Your consequences for pleading guilty and coming to a plea bargain with prosecution and your consequences going all the way until the jury pronounces you guilty uh, are going to be different because we value somebody being honest and and saying, okay, I'm here to deal with my consequence as opposed to I'm going to make you, you know, go the full tilt. Right. Which makes sense, right? From a logic standpoint, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And you encourage the guilty parties to deal with their own issues and consequences as a result. That's what we want. Right. That's it in a nutshell. We want universities to deal with their problems and consequences. That's what we want. Others might say, well, this thing was revealed in the media and BYU was slow to really uh, take care of it. uh, And, and, you know, you shouldn't have boosters hanging out in your locker room. And and that's true as well. I mean, BYU is not innocent, completely innocent in this. But uh, I think the way they handled it thereafter should have brought some leniency. Uh, But... You know, these Ute fans that are calling me a, a, a cougar honk because I, I'm saying this are missing the point. It doesn't matter who the school is. If the school is going to self-report and do what it can to, to make it right, then it should it, that should be taken into consideration. And I'm not sure it was in this case. And the media finding out first, uh, you know, I guess that's somewhat relevant. But BYU was obviously trying to deal with it. And they were obviously trying to fix it. So maybe they shouldn't get off scot-free. Right. No one is suggesting that. Nobody's suggesting that. But they should get a benefit of the doubt for for saying, okay, well, we read the report in the Salt Lake Tribune, so we're going to dive into this thing, and we're going to try and fix it. Here's what we found. We'll turn it over to you, and we'll all get through this thing together. That that type of behavior should be rewarded. Yeah. Again, rewarded is such a, a misleading term. Take them into consideration. There you go. Bingo. Right on the money. Anyway, so, yeah. I, I guess I'm a little surprised uh, at the feedback that you've been getting. Well, that's not, I've just read a couple. I've gotten all kinds of feedback, some of it positive, some of it negative. But it is, uh, it is something to think about. And I, and I think this is – I think college basketball in particular is it's quite a cesspool. There's all kinds of cheating going on out there. Mm-hmm. And we hear about it from – coaches who know what's going on and they're involved in recruiting battles and they know who's getting which player and they know what the conditions were to get that player it's pretty rampant and so it's just funny i think a lot of people around college basketball are looking at the byu situation going they got that for that (laughs) and then they start laughing because they know what's going on all around 
and this is a diff- different topic for a different day, but it's also a comment on how the, the coach's circle of secrecy is so ridiculous and wrong. That all these coaches know exactly well, no, what's going on, but nobody says. No one wants to be the the rat. But nobody says anything because they know they're not going to get a job again, <laughs> which is also wrong. Yeah, I heard Austin bring this up the other day, but I think the uh, the assistant coach that dimed out uh, the Baylor. What was the Baylor head basketball coach's name? Bliss. Uh, yes, Dave Bliss, the assistant coach that dimed out Dave Bliss for a, you know a murder. He didn't commit, but he was covering mm-hmm. up. That coach never worked again. Are you kidding? Not only that, has never gotten a job in the the game of basketball, a coaching job, has not uh, had success in his other jobs outside of sports, and is living with his mother in Las Vegas working part-time as a janitor because that's the what? only people that will hire him. Ruined really. his life because he did What's the right thing. What's his name? Uh, I mm-hmm. thought he was Bliss. I could, but No, maybe. Bliss was the head guy. Oh, well, I don't remember this guy's uh, name. Well. And he did the right thing. He did the right thing. In in a in a situation where, <laughs> I mean, if anybody ever the truth really needed to come to light, this is it. Like we're not talking embezzlement, which is bad. We're talking murder. Yeah, murder. the worst. One of the worst things you could possibly do. Coach was covering up. Coach that blew the whistle did the right thing. Life ruined. Done. The uh, bliss, by the way, is coaching basketball again. Hmm. All right. But anyway, like I said, different topic for a different day because that. Yeah, well. it's a, little deep but all right uh we'll hit on college football Come out coming up tempo record <laughs> right around the corner 97.5 <laughs> and 1280 this is tony parks and austin horton tyler huntley i think this guy has the capability to have explosive weeks he proved that to me last year i want to see in these next couple of weeks if now he can become even more consumed with exactly what this offense looks like while playing in it snap after snap and if he can polish that both of these things can be true the idea of tyler huntley was making the easiest possible decision and just taking the first thing that came his way, that can be true the same as, well, that's all it took to beat BYU. And there will be a time, not this week against Northern Illinois, but there will be a time this season that if Tyler Huntley does not graduate from what he did against BYU, it will cost the Utes. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. host of the Eric Ainge Show on WNML, home of Tennessee football. With that loss to Georgia State last week, how much pressure is that fan base putting on the volunteers for this week against BYU? I mean, it's a must-win football game. If it's not a must-win, if you're going to take it down one notch, it's a must-notch all the right things and show the progress we thought we were making type football game. I really don't know how good our defense is and how good our players are. I really don't know. I won't be surprised either way, I guess is what I'm saying, because that was Eric Ainge from earlier in the show. Welcome back. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Got a question for you. Hit me. Who faces the more difficult opponent this week, Utah or BYU? Hmm. That's, a, that's an interesting question. All right, I'm going to go BYU. Because the potential for sort of a sudden gathering uh, of 
momentum and uh, skill is there. You got a bunch of three, four, and five star athletes in that. The Tennessee. talent is there at Tennessee. That is not the Volunteers' problem. So at some point, and maybe it's this week, probably it's not. But at some point, they're gonna, you know, they could put it together. Let me put it that way. That talent could come to the uh, to the forefront, and I still think Tennessee is a better team than Northern Illinois. I would agree. Is that a no-brainer? Uh, or do people actually well, think— this team lost to Georgia State. Yeah, they're still an FBS program. I mean, like uh, Washington State went a couple—this was a few years ago, but then they lose to Eastern Washington and Portland State in back-to-back years, and we didn't think that they were historically bad. So I guess you can have a bad week? Is that what you're saying? Well, or, and I, or two. I heard Scotty talking about this the other day. Those Washington State teams went on to win like nine and ten games. Are we expecting that out of Tennessee? But I mean, it, but isn't that the point? We don't know, and that's what Eric Ainge, who who joined us, uh, basically said. Is I, might, I don't know. I might say that Eastern Washington is better than Georgia State. How do you know that? Really? I'm guessing. Georgia State. They were two and ten last year. In the Sun Belt, which is an FBS league. No, overall. Right, I mean, but they play in the Sun Belt, which is... Their a, two wins was one against Kennesaw State, a, a, a non-major, a mm. mid, a, and they won by four. Their other win was against ULM, who had the second worst points allowed in all of football last mm. season. That is amazing. See the Vols lose to that game. And someone ranked it the fourth worst loss in the history of college football. Who's this someone? I don't know. I find that hard to believe. Out of all the losses that do, uh, that uh, FBS programs have had to FCS teams, a loss to an FBS team is the fourth worst loss in college football history. I don't history. even know what criteria they use for that, but they said they used something. Hmm. What about Tennessee coming into this season with the 13th best recruiting class that was going to start playing <laughs> this year? <laughs> oh, man. See, they have talent, though. Yeah, that's the, that's the, that's the point, point. Is, yeah. is that they have guys. They've got athletes. Kalani said that at his press conference. I mean, you look at these players and you, you say, boy, they have dudes. They've got guys that can play. But, it, I, I mean, I think I honestly think they've got a coaching-slash-culture problem. And maybe that can change somewhat in one week. I mean, you, you wake up a team and you light a fire and you have their full attention and they could come out and play a lot better. And that's that's what BYU is preparing for. But – is it that simple? I don't really know. Anytime you have a coach who has – is the perception is that he has talent, that increases the pressure on him to perform as a coach and a coaching staff to be able to organize that talent. But I don't think that's a perception. I think they do have talent. Well, okay. Then, uh, then something's got to give there with Tennessee. Um, something ain't right. And we heard Eric Ainge say as much. So do they fix it in one week or at least tape it together in one week to yeah. make it more formidable? And That's a great question. They if have I, the ability to do that. If certainly. I'm on that team, I'm pretty motivated this week to get my stuff together. And with focus, I mean, I imagine these guys haven't been dogging it all through preseason camp. Maybe. That could be part Maybe of the problem. They Maybe they an, didn't they have a good camp. an SEC schedule to face, you know? So you, you want to get yourself together. You want to get yourself – you want to – these guys, I, I don't think people like to lose, you know? And I don't know, maybe just thinking they're going to just show up and beat Georgia State and they weren't motivated 
to to give a full effort, maybe that's what caused them their problem. And maybe they'll be able to rearrange that inside of one week. Because like you said, you've been saying all along, Jake, this team does have talent on it. And so that's what BYU is up against. Is it a storm of angry men who are now going to go out there and give BYU its best shot? Uh, I, I, maybe. I mean, we talk about them losing to Georgia State, uh, but you look back at last year, and not that they were over, overly terrific last year, but they, have, they had some good wins. They beat Auburn last year. They beat Kentucky last yeah. year. Kentucky was a really good team. So, I mean, we can say, oh, a team that loses to Georgia State, which I, I've been guilty of, by the way. You know, BYU should thrash a team that, that lost to Georgia State. But when we're talking about potential to put it together and play a good football game, they beat Kentucky last year 24-7. to yeah. Kentucky was number 12 in the country. What was the Auburn score? 30-24 uh, to 24 at Auburn. They also lost at South Carolina. They did, but the, the, so this is what, exactly what we were addressing earlier, that this thing is unpredictable. It could be very tough. It could be easy. And when you're talking about what's between the ears instead of what's, uh, you know, biceps and ability to block and tackle, it's a crapshoot. And I'm not quite sure. I wouldn't bet on this game for nothing. Would I you? I would. Yeah. I'd, t- I'd take BYU plus four in a heartbeat. Would you really? I would. Well, you bet on sports. I don't. I don't really bet oh. on sports, but I would take that. Uh, but I, li- I live in Salt Lake. Where am I going to bet on sports? So even with that, uh, what you just rattled off there, that this team shows up some weeks and doesn't show up others, you'd be fairly confident with that? Yeah, it's playing the odds, and I think BYU's going to win. I still think BYU's going to win. Mm. I thought BYU was going to win before the year started. Yeah, you did. All right, uh, quick programming note coming up right around the corner on 1280 AM. We have the Utah State Coaches Show. The big show rolls on on uh, the FM side of the dial in 97.5. And don't forget, we have NFL football on the station tonight as well as the Bears take on the Packers. So for those of you continuing on with us, we'll be on the FM. Coaches Show starts next on the AM right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. So Antonio Brown got into a little bit of a skirmish with Mike Mayock because Mayock fined him. Guy didn't show up at camp, missed a bunch of practices because of his helmet, all other kind of issues he was dealing with. So Mike Mayock said that he is not practicing with the team right now, most likely will be suspended. You know, Scotty, this is a good time for this to happen. You know, it's early in camp. They'll still beat the Broncos, though, so. <laughs> oh, no, they won't. Yes, they, no, will. they will. No, When is that game? That's on Monday. I don't know if it's Bobby A. Bear if it's Bubby Brister that's quarterbacking for the Broncos. But I can guarantee you, they're not going to lose to the lowly uh, Raiders. Don't punch this for me. You're coming in way too hot here. <laughs> you see where his confidence is, Hans. Like, like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Easy. Calm down over there. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Wrapping up a big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. God, Gordon, tomorrow's Friday already, man. This uh, this week is just flowing by. I guess that's what happens when you're in college football season. Yeah, uh, yeah, I suppose so. We have lots to talk about, lots to look forward to. 
on a whole lot of different levels. You know, you get the NFL underway, you get college football going, you get local interest in the particular matchups that these teams are and the situations they're in. Yeah, and then you get the Jazz getting ready to start. Ooh, it's exciting. We've got the Bears and the Packers coming up right around the corner. And um, I'm going to ask Austin this question because of our uh, mutual relationship with one Tony Parks. How much uh, did the Packers win by tonight? (laughs) Uh, 21. (laughs) I'd I'd say at least, right? Three touchdowns? That sounds about right. Well, I was going with seven field goals. You guys are haters. Because the Bears can't make a field goal. Those are haters. Well, yeah. Right. <laughs> What's your point, right? Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to Just the Bears, because Tony likes the Bears, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta root against them. And if yeah. you didn't know that, just tune in ten to noon any moment. You'll hear it. So <laughs> there that is... the Cubs or Michigan, we got all three again today. So in... when was the last time the Bears were really, really good? Uh, when I was like eight <laughs> months old, yeah, in 1985. And they lost to the Dolphins, spoiling their undefeated I season. Mean, even when they got to the Super Bowl against Peyton Manning, I was like, yeah, I guess you can go. You can go lose to Peyton Manning. And they weren't good. Oh, they were terrible. I tell this to Tony all the time. He always argues with me for some reason. But Rex Grossman has got to be the worst quarterback to ever make the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> Easily. Easily. Stan the w- Humphreys, though. What was the good I'd dude? take him over who, Rex. Who, who was the one in uh, in Miami? David uh, Wood. Wood uh, what was that guy's name? What Wood? year are you hearkening back to? <laughs> you know, feather quill pens and powdered uh, wigs. Remember. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Whoa. Well, yeah, we didn't mean to hurt your feelings for it. I just don't remember <laughs> the snuggles. quarterback. <laughs> no, I didn't mean it like that. I just mean it doesn't matter. Anyway. What was that guy's name? Wood uh, Wood something. David Woodyard. Woodward. 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 Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. You you mixed just up mixed Eric Woodyard and David Woodward. I did a Jake Woodward. Scott, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've actually made that very Have same you? mistake, yeah. Uh-huh. So, no, it's all good there, Austin. What what would I even Google? Terrible quarterback for the Dolphins? <laughs> but, Austin, I, I do think we should keep some sort of record with Tony if he can bring up all three in what span of time. Like, has Tony ever mentioned Michigan, the Bears, and the Cubs in, like, a minute span? You I'll know what to, I mean? I'll have to keep an ear out for it. Yeah. We'll have to, to see how— I'm still wanting the sounder. The the this day in uh, this concludes your moment in Michigan sports history. Yes, yeah. but why would you guys root against Tony's favorite teams? Because he loves them so much, and we like Tony. I've explained this to you a million times. Well, why not root for them then? No, you, you root loved... a, you root against your friends' teams. That's what you do. That's why I can't stand why? the butt hens. But <laughs> it's the blue hens. Why, why would why do that, that though? How it works? What? Yes. I hate the Lobos too for that my reason. Fr- my fr- in 1979, my friend, my best friend, one of my best friends growing up was a huge Pittsburgh Pirates fan. Go so, Lobos! So I was rooting for the Pirates to win the World Series that year because that's what friends do. Why? Remember the the, the, the uh, wives of the players were dancing on top of the dugout, and we are family. What does I mean, that have to do with your friend? Uh, because I wanted him. He's my friend. I want him to be happy. So I was rooting for his team. No, I, I said this to you a million times. I'm I'm rooting for my friend's personal success. I hope things happen in their lives that is just wonderful. But sports is not real. But, so okay. I want answer their me, sports misery. Answer, answer me this question. I want them question. to sports suffer. If the Bears were to win the Super Bowl, would it make Tony happy? 
not real genuinely it happy. Make it would make him happy. sports happy. What, what? And I don't care if he's sports happy. In fact, <laughs> I want him ridiculous. to be sports sad. That's the dumbest thing I've ever and, heard. And if, you know, I, I, do, do I want Tony and his family to be extraordinarily successful and happy? 100%. Yeah, but do I want the a, Bears to lose every game? This, yes. This is a part of his happiness. With my whole soul. Yes. You guys. It's You're, not a part of his legit happiness. It is. It's it makes happiness. him happier. It might not make him happy, Tony's, but it makes him happier. Well, why are you constantly throwing Mike Troutshade my way, sir? That's a great point. No, no I think you Mike, do the same sir? thing. No, I think Mike Trout is one of the greatest players to ever play baseball. All I was parroting back to you was what Sports Illustrated wrote about him, that he had is he had a personality of a plate of sand. And you always used to look at me with a little half-smile and a wink go, only matter of time before he's in pinstripes. Because well, you want Austin to be sports miserable. So do I. I don't want him to be miserable. I want him to be happy because he was a member of the Phils. That's all. I wasn't rooting against his team. You, you go were. out of your way to root against your friend's team. I do. At least I embrace it. You do the same thing and I don't. pretend to be something else. I, I don't. I want my friends to be happy. I do, too. <laughs> no, you don't. I do, too. No. I want my friends to be happy. I just want Sport, their teams to sports lose. Sports are important to people. Not that important. They are important I want the important things to be great. Ask Tony if it's important to him. If he says it's important to him, then, then you should be rooting for his teams. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do it. That's Can't all you it. got is not, nope. Not going to do it. You I will guys. not cross that line. No, not a chance. You're going to burn in hell, both of you. Uh, big thanks uh, to Austin, executive producer of The Big Show. Remember, you can get all of our content online, 1280zone.com. Download our podcasts. You can also go to your favorite podcast catcher. Subscribe to The Big Show. Gordon, thank you for your fine thank work you. as usual. At least you didn't tell anybody that uh, telling the truth is wrong. <laughs> so you got that going for you. I do, which is which nice. Which is nice. <laughs> Talk to you tomorrow on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.